Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, um, in relation to COVID-19, one of the, the saddest stories that I heard was on the radio about two weeks ago. And um, it was a man whose wife uh, was in palliative care. And she had been dying and he was waiting for the results of a COVID test. I don't know whether they were going to let him in to see her, uh, but she hadn't seen anybody in two weeks and she was about to pass away. She had cancer, sadly. And this is the shocking reality for so many people around the country at the moment with young people possibly dying as well and a mother and father who can't get to hold their hand, parents dying and sons and daughters can't get to hold their hands, sisters and brothers, and not there to hear their last words or not even to hear their last words, just to be there for them. And that's a moment that you will never, ever get back again. I want to speak to Sharon Foley, who's the CEO of the Irish Hospice Foundation. Sharon, good afternoon to you. Sorry, Sharon, are you there? I am. Can yeah, you hear sorry, me? I can hear you now. Sorry about that. Uh, Sharon, I mean, what can we do about this situation? At the moment, the policy seems to be that nobody gets in to see the dying person. I mean, how can we change that or how can we make that better for people? Because this is really, really difficult for people. Well, I, I think you've picked up on, on um, some of the, the, the reasons why the Irish Hospice Foundation has come out strongly in defence, I suppose, of the dying patient and their family. We're hearing all these sad stories of people not being able to visit their loved ones. And you're right, you see it all over the media. We're seeing it all over the media internationally. And when we go out and ask people what do they want at the end of life, people will invariably say, I want to die surrounded by the people I love. So Absolutely. that is a universal And it's a kind of Irish thing, isn't it? Everybody it always is, says, oh, we were, all, we were all there. We were all there. And, and everybody uh, says that. And equally, there's a universal fear that you would die alone, not just for the dying person, but also for the family. So it is an inherent part of what we want to happen as at the end of our life and at the moment of death, is you want to be with someone or you want your family there. And for the family, they want to be with the loved. Now, it doesn't often, doesn't always happen, but COVID-19 has really, really challenged that. And we've been in long discussions with the HSC because we appreciate there's huge infection risks. So the reason that the HSC are putting those um, as stringent restrictions on is to protect the family, is to protect the community, is to protect the staff. So we understand that. And I think it's important to say that we really, I suppose, respect and appreciate the challenge that families are making at this time. It is a very, very hard challenge. But having thought about it and having thought about the distress that this is causing families and, and the dying person, we've actually said to the HSC that we would recommend in all cases that it, just one family member is allowed to be with every person who's in dying in, in hospitals and care settings. And that means even if PPE is required, that there would be time set aside to help that family member don and doff the, the PPE, because we appreciate it does take time and it takes training to do that. But really in terms of preventing the, the long-term distress, if at all possible, if one family member could be with the dying person. And we think that that would alleviate some distress. Okay, for for people listening who don't understand the reason why this policy exists currently at the moment, it's it's more so that if you're in, say, a hospice where people have a lot of underlying conditions, obviously, and and many of them are at the end of life, and, you know, what happens is somebody comes in who may have a, a, the infection, may be asymptomatic, for example, or have very mild symptoms. Uh, they pass it on to a nurse or they pass it on to a patient who in turn passes it on to another patient or another, and all of a sudden we have an infection. Or, or think about it, it, that's part of it is the infection yeah. of staff now. But, but if you think about it another way, if you've got elderly patients and, and they're, they're in the hospice or they're in the hospital or the, or the nursing home, often they're being cared for by other elderly relatives, elderly husbands or elderly wives. So they're 
their relative is also at very high risk of if they get COVID of, of being very seriously ill as well. So it is there to protect the family, it's there to protect the relatives and loved ones, but it does require a huge sacrifice. So we're saying if, if one person could be with the family, that would be ideal and some time would be given to help them. No matter what the setting is, the hospitals or the nursing homes should have very clear information for families on what the visiting um, restrictions are and if there's any way, you know, if there's a certain time of day that you can phone in or you can call in or you can email in or is there a certain time of the day that they'll allow one hour of visiting. Make it very, very clear to families so that you, if you can provide as much clear detail as possible when and how visiting can be allowed and facilitated, this can alleviate some distress for families. I know this and sounds they, like a bizarre suggestion, but if somebody is at the end of life and they have, as you know, a doctor would normally tell you, listen, we'll be lucky to get another 24 hours. And doctors are normally quite honest with people and tell them, you know, how long somebody is going to survive. And, and sometimes people can surprise them and, and live a little bit longer, maybe three or four days extra or whatever it is, depending if they're on morphine or whatever. Is it not possible, say, to move that person home, um, you know, for the, the two or three days, the last two or three days of their life? Because many people do die at home, um, you know, and not die in a, in a hospital. In, in general, Niall, that's what might happen or they might be moved to a hospice. But if you're talking about COVID-19, because it's it's a particular pandemic and it's the symptoms are particularly hard to manage, the HSC at the moment are managing, as far as they know, all the end-of-life cases in a care setting. And that's what they're doing mm-hmm. to make sure they can give them the best care as possible. Um, and and you ha- we have to work within the strictures of, of the HSE. And we appreciate the huge challenges. I mean, so much, Niall, about COVID-19 is wrong. So much have, around COVID-19 has challenged how we do dying, death and bereavement in Ireland. And, and we have to work within that. And the final piece that we have we've said that, and in some areas of, of the care setting, such as ICU, it might not be possible to have anybody visiting because what the doctors will say is that the procedures in ICU, they're what they call aerosol generating procedures, and they're highly infectious. So they, they're making a decision to protect the families and to protect the, the, the healthcare staff. There might be no visiting. That's not with all ICUs. But yeah. we're saying then, if that's the case, then really proactive measures can be put in place to ensure that dying patients and the residents are not left alone. And staff might use a variety of methods to bring comfort, compassion, company to the dying person. If anybody wants to check out on the Hospice Foundation, we've a range of resources there for healthcare staff. So some people might find poems or prayers or talking to the person at end of it, but being with the person, what we'd say... It is an important part, isn't it? And even if if the person is not able to talk or incapable of talking... Your presence presence is your gift. Your presence is your gift. Mm -hmm. And families will want to be... I always remember a nurse saying to me once when a family member of mine was dying, she was saying about making the memories. So if you can't be with the family member, if you can't be there by their side, can the staff member make those memories? Can they tell the person what were you present? What, did the person what were their last words? Did they open their eyes? Did they reach them? Did Absolutely, I talk to them? yeah. Did they, make, did they hold your hand? Memories. Or and, and I remember exactly. when, when my own mother died. You know, for the the previous two days before she died, she had emphysema and I knew she was going to die, and everybody knew she was going to die. But for those previous two days, she told me more in those two days than she told me in her whole life. Um, and it and, was a, it was amazing the stories. It was just a wonderful experience being there for those two days. And I know. There's a lot of people out there, and it would be quite traumatic for your mum or your dad or your son or your daughter, brother or sister to die and not be there. That's something that you will never forget for the rest of your life. That could be quite traumatic. Just about to say that, just about to say that, Nile, is that you you remember those memories for the rest of your life, and you, and you have those. So there are ways, and and we we're hearing stories, and we're hearing wonderful stories, staff all over the country. They're using things like mobile phone, they're using Skype, they're using iPads, they're they're having emails to connect in. There there there's lots of ways they're doing and creative solutions and our healthcare 
Service now for very creative, creative solutions to allow connection with the family. But it does take those creative solutions to create some sort of peaceful memories because what, what you want when your loved one has died is you want to be able to think, well, we did the best we could for them and that you can grieve and you can get on and, and move through your, your bereavement and your grief. And that's hard. COVID is making a strong And, I, and I understand and I, I know that the healthcare at the moment, the, the staff are stretched for time and, and I absolutely understand that they're doing the best they possibly can. But it's not always possible for them to get your mum or your dad on FaceTime so you can see them. And I saw a, a beautiful picture actually last week in the journal, I think it was. And um, it was a guy standing on a chair outside the hospital looking in the window at his dying brother. I know. It wasn't it amazing. Amazing. But if you talk about staff not having time, this goes against every grain of the staff training. The staff were saying to us, this is never what I wanted to happen for somebody. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, and we were t- I was talking yesterday to a consultant in ICU and she was saying, by and large, always we would be bending over backwards to connect families and patients. And we see that through the Irish Hospice Foundation. We run a programme in, in, in hospitals and we see staff will turn everything inside out to make sure families get a, a room or the dying person gets a room on their own mm-hmm. and the family are there and yep. they facilitate because that's part of their training and their core training about caring for the patient at end of life and caring for the family so staff want to do this staff are really really yeah, they want to give um, that person the dignity of dying do. dying with dignity they do. You know. they do and I think it, it is about that dying with dignity and re, um, respecting your, your family having privacy having that intimacy and, and what is one of the most profound moments of your life I mean Absolutely. birth and, and death are the the greatest moments of your life. Well, look, Sharon, we hope we get that sorted out or some sort of policy arrangement can be put in place for somebody to wear PPE so at least one person that they love uh, can be there with them, although in a strange fashion. Uh, But listen, thank you very much indeed and thanks for your wonderful work. Sharon Foley, CEO of the Irish Hospice Foundation. Mark, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Mark? Hi, Niall. How are you? Um, uh, Your wife's mother is currently in hospital. She's currently in hospital. She went in about 11 weeks ago and she went in for something minor and ended up staying in hospital and uh, she, she... she contracted the virus, and in the meantime, she she had an, had a fall in the hospital, which she she ended up going uh, breaking her wrist and oh no, and, hip, and she went through an operation, and she's coming out the other side of it. It was remarkable for a woman of eighty seven years of age, right? It really is incredible, right? And, and she she and she tested positive for COVID nineteen. She, she tested co- positive for COVID nineteen, and still now the last test that came through, it's not it's undetermined. It was the test, so they don't know if she still has it or hasn't got it. Well, well, okay. But, when, when did she test positive? When was that? Oh, it was a couple of weeks ago. All right, okay, ago. so she's most likely come through that now. Yeah, but the last, yes, but at the same time, my wife, here's the thing, my wife was allowed in, even though she was tested positive, my wife was allowed in the night before she had the operation, and she had to get gowned up and everything to see her mother. My wife is uh, her mother's carer. Okay. And she was able to go in and see her. Now, my wife saw, my mother-in-law lived with, lives with us, and, and um, yeah. so she was part of our life, and my wife has had very little contact. She's had phone conversations with staff and all that. But can you understand how distressing it must be for a mother who's 87 years of age, seeing no member of family in with her whatsoever? I know. I know. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's distressing enough for your wife not to see her mother, but I'd say it's more distressing for your mother not to see his da- her daughter. 100%. And my wife has, has cried here a couple of times and stuff like that, which is normal stuff um, because she can't see her mother. But some members of family should be allowed to go in and be with that parent or with that person. And if somebody's passing away and going on, some member of family should be able to go in and hold that person and put on the PPA and be there. Because yeah. this is, we're, I'm going to tell you now, in six months or a year's time down the line, we're going to regret 
not doing this. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. And the same yeah. uh, when I spoke to a, a chap the other day whose wife had just been given the bad news in a maternity yeah. hospital that their, their baby wasn't going to survive the birth, and yeah. he he was sitting outside in the car while she's even being given the bad news. Absolutely, like, I mean, that's, and he wasn't there to hold her hand and support her and and to, and to see his own child. Yeah. For, for how long? I mean, the, the, and we are, you are right. We're going to look back at this in a year's time and we're going to regret that we allowed all these things to happen and we put people through such traumatic things. Yeah, absolutely. When we have to remember the reality of this, we're still human. Part of our life is, and a major part of our life is, in every uh, part of society, or every country in the world, um, death is part of our, uh, part of life and we celebrate our people's lives. And I, like, me and my wife talked about if something happened to our mother, about going to the church and they're saying there's only 10 people can can go there. And I said, you're going to tell me that all your family are not going to turn up? She said, they're all going to turn up. And I said, and so they should. The churches are big enough to accommodate hundreds of people. You know, we can still socially distance well, well know, they, I, I know, I know the churches themselves came out and said that, that they could socially distance people. Exactly. But I but, but I must obviously reiterate the government guidelines is 10. But I understand the point that you're making, absolutely. Because right. people want we to be there. I'm telling about the government guidelines, right? Government guidelines are, are, are working in certain parts of society, okay? Yep. Now, you can see the example of what happened in Keelings there. And there's a Facebook picture there today, my wife showed me, of all the staff that have been flown in, that all went out to the little store. I, know, I have, the, I have the picture in front of me here. Yeah. You have it there, right? Yeah. Now, I know you, exactly where it is because I shop there. Serious about this lockdown and all yeah. that. That flight would never have been allowed to come into the country. Keelings would have simply turned around and put out a, a call to worse people to come and pick through for them. And I guarantee a lot of people... But, but that, well, that's what Pat Tobin was saying at the start of the show, that we probably could have got Irish people. Now, I don't want to go back into the Keelings topic. Yeah, because I, because to be honest with you, I think what's happening to your mother-in-law is a lot more important yeah. in real terms. Because I Absolutely. think if anything happened, and hopefully nothing will happen to her, hopefully, how is she now? Is she getting better? She's Remarkably, she's coming through for a woman Brilliant. of her age. I'm delighted to hear that. But if anything had have happened to that woman, and you know, and unfortunately, if you had a lost her, your wife would have been traumatized. Trauma. Could you oh, imagine oh, for the rest oh, of her life saying, "I wasn't there when my mum died." Our brothers, our our nephews and nieces, the ones that would have liked to say goodbye, nanny, I'll see you again, I love you very much. All the things that they would have done. Just a simple thing of having a coffin in a in a home, a funeral home, or in your home, and people being able to say goodbye to that person, touching the person before they go on their final journey. The simple things that we do as people in society, in all societies around the world, mm-hmm. saying goodbye to our loved ones, that's been taken away. and We've taken it away because we've gone overboard on this whole COVID-19 thing. And, and I do understand the guidelines, but I think when we talk about guidelines, and they, let's be clear, they are guidelines and they're yeah. advisories. Uh, yeah. And obviously the police are enforcing those uh, the guidelines mm-hmm. in relation to unnecessary journeys, etc., etc. But I do believe there should be an element of common sense when it comes to different circumstances because everybody has different circumstances. Absolutely. And, and, and I do, and I think, by the way, I think in relation to Ireland, generally speaking so far, I think there has been an element of common sense. Although mm-hmm. these are two situations, uh, the birth of a baby and somebody dying, which is both, end, both ends of life, which I think yeah. at the moment we we need to address and we need yeah. to address it immediately. Listen, right. Mark, I, I have to go back to a break, but listen, I wish you and your wife and particularly your mother-in-law a speedy recovery and I hope she's back out and reaches 88, 89, 90 and right up to 100. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Mark. Uh, loads and loads of people texting in in similar situations. Uh, maybe you're in that situation. The number's 87 188 uh, Let me go to Podrick. Podrick, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Podrick? Good night on yourself. Good. Padraig, I'm sorry to hear that your mother is currently in a nursing home and at very high risk because unfortunately 55% of those who have passed away in this country from coronavirus have been in nursing homes, which is yeah. not, not a good story and a good read. No, it's terrifying. It's a um, terrible situation to be in, to be honest. Um, and how is your man, by the way? Is she in good health at the moment? Or? She's, not, she's not 
She's How old is she? She's 93, in fairness. Oh, fair play to her. What a great woman. 93 years of age. Uh, yeah. she, she's seen a lot more than the rest of us, let me tell you. Uh, she, could, uh, she could tell a few stories. I'd right. say she could, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, uh, so, Padre, you're worried sick about her. I am. I tell you, even I, I was sort of thinking of taking her out of the nursing home. Right, okay. But the, the problem with that is that it's okay now. I'm at home, I'm not working. But um, she's on the fair, the fair deal thing. And if I take her out, she probably wouldn't get back in. I'd probably be told, well, you could mind her for two months or three months. And, you mm. know. And if she's so, not, she's uh, not high dependency. She doesn't need 24-hour well, care or anything. No, she does. She does. Okay, she that's does. great. And the doctor said to me, he says, this is a 26-hour job. Yeah. And I said, look, I'd save her life, I'd do anything. Of course you would. Of course you would. But um, I don't know. It's hard to know. Yeah, but, uh, I, but they, they should come to some sort of arrangement. I, if it's possible to take her out, and you know, if you feel you can look after and you believe that you're capable of looking after, I can see any reason why they should shouldn't come to some arrangement under the current circumstances. Because certainly, you know, these are unprecedented times. So you know, everybody has to play ball. Yeah, because the thought of looking in the window, and I am looking in the window at her. I'm I'm, I'm on the lucky one. Mm-hmm. But it, does, but it does mean that if you're looking after your mum or living with your mum at 93 years of age, that you won't be able to go anywhere. Well, look, sure, I'm, I'm only young. I'm not 50 yet. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but I'm just I, saying, I, you know, it, it, does, it does limit your, your ability to, you know, go shopping or... It would completely, uh, yeah, it would, I know. You'd be relying on friends and neighbours or whatever to deliver ah, or home, look, or home help told, or whatever, yeah. I was told not to do it on all the rest of us. Look, yeah. I haven't come to that yet, so I was told not to make the decision yet. Right. Okay. But, look, I don't know, but uh, like for anyone that can't even go to the window, uh, and the thought of someone else been there with her, if she got it, look, she hasn't got it on cross fingers and all the rest, she'll be fine. She'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Nursing home, in fairness, I'm speaking of, they're good, you know. Yeah, and look, so, and in fairness, most nursing homes are good. Um, and even the ones where, uh, sadly, uh, in one particular nursing home, nine people died, um, they are good nursing homes. It's just yeah. a fact of life that a virus doesn't, you know, it takes no prisoners. Uh, no, and that's, no. that's the unfortunate thing about it. When, particularly when it comes to somebody of your mum's age, it could be very dangerous, obviously. And you feel so helpless. Yeah. Oh, helpless. I know, I know. And I, and I, I can imagine you? how you feel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you well, look, give your give our regards, and I hope you get a, a result on that. I hope you c- it comes to some arrangement that kind of alleviates your worry. Let me go to Liz. Liz, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Liz? Hiya. Hiya, Niall. I was just listening to your show there. You've been in this situation, but you, yeah. got, you got an opportunity to go in. I did. Um, my, um, the backstory is my uncle was 90. He okay. lived a very full and big life. He was a priest, retired. He'd been in the missions, wars, you name it. And this is the thing that took him out. And um, he had a broken hip and he was admitted to Tala. And then he was later diagnosed with COVID. Um, I'm from the north, you can probably tell. And I'd have never I was, guessed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one down here. So um, I was pretty much in touch with the hospital who, I have to say, Tala Hospital were absolutely amazing. How, by the way, how was, how was his health apart from the COVID? His health was, he was a very big, strong man, Niall. Yeah. But he, had bro- he broke a hip in the oh, residential okay. um, home that he was in. He wasn't in a nursing home, it was residential. That just happened maybe the one night and he, got, he was admitted to the hospital and then later um, diagnosed with the COVID. So it, it has, I know there's a few more have died okay. in that residential setting since. So hard right. to know where he got it. It's the material really. Well, yes, yeah, so unfortunately, once it gets in, you know, it's very yeah, difficult absolutely. to get it out again. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and particularly when you're dealing with the most vulnerable people, people who are kind of in their 80s and 90s, who unfortunately yeah. have a high mortality rate for this virus. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no way as a family that we are, um, you know, he, he, 90 years of age. I mean, you know, he lived a big life. Yep. He wasn't sick for a long period of time. However, it, it was, I suppose, I felt very stressed and angry that he would have to go this way. And I thought none of us would get into the hospital. And so um, I was in touch with the nurse in Tala, Rachel and Frank Ford, and also with Arshin, the doctor, yep. who rang me all through the day. They were absolutely, amazingly brilliant. Right, so great, great communication, yeah. Brilliant communication. So, you know, people need to know that there's good news stories and the bad news story. So then he, they um, rang me on, th- on the Thursday night and said I could come in. I hadn't pushed to get in because I just assumed there was yeah. no way you could get yeah. in. He was in a side ward, um, side room, and I put on the PPE, everything. The ward was actually quite quiet. Okay. And I was allowed to stay 15 minutes. I probably stayed maybe 25. Okay. And it was very hard to leave. But it was a great, the, the bit of it is that it has been great for the rest of the family. And was he, was he conscious? Was, was he conscious? He was in and out. He okay. was in and out. But he, he, he knew your thing. presence. He knew your presence was there. He knew I was there and yeah. I was able to tell him that everybody was okay and it was okay to have a rest. And he'd, okay. ha- he'd lived a big life. But, you know, so it was very comforting for the family. But I really would like to give a shout out to um, Tala Hospital because they were absolutely, they were brilliant to me. And they were brilliant to him, and um, it really made such a difference. I suppose we were worried then about the funeral and all of that. And that ended up actually being the nicest, most intimate funeral I've ever been at. Okay, but le- with less than, less than 10 people. <laughs> it was, oh. well, I think there might have been 11 and yeah. the priest yeah. at a funeral home, but it was a beautiful day, so we all stood outside. We were able to go in in twos into where the coffin was, and then we went to the graveyard, and people had travelled from the north, so we. Um, yeah. the, the graveyard allowed us to have a cup of tea at social distance outside our cars, yeah. which was actually really lovely. I mean, well, it's know, certainly a funeral you'll remember for the rest of your life. Yeah, because yeah. people are amazing, you know, the bottom yeah. line. And I, I understand the guidelines, and but I wouldn't like to be the person setting the guidelines at the well, minute. Well, because, that's what I'm saying. Can you imagine if you hadn't been yeah. allowed to see your uncle before he passed away? You know, I mean, yeah. and nobody yeah. had been. Imagine he died on his own. For him, it, it, and maybe in his case, you know, he was in and out of consciousness. But some mm. people who die are fully conscious till just before know, they die. I mean, and that must be very traumatic for them to see nobody with them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I wish you well. Thank you very much indeed, Liz. No problem. All right, thanks for sharing that with us. All right. All right, well, again, uh, hats off to the people in Tala Hospital. I actually had an experience recently with somebody else passing away in Tala Hospital, and I have to say exactly the same. The communication was wonderful. The way they treated the people and the family and the person that was dying was absolutely wonderful. They are wonderful people. Amazing. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.